This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and of course, children of all ages, welcome to the program. First, the name, Professor Americus Reed. Second, the game is, of course, marketing, as in segmentation, targeting, positioning, and messaging to your customers. STPM is what we call it. Listeners, thank you for joining us tonight. You are to be saluted on a daily basis, baby, please. This is Sirius XM, Channel 132, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. My co-host, Barbara Khan, is not in tonight, so of course I am flying solo. I'm your host, Professor America Street. Yep, and they call me the Chub Rock of Business Radio. Yep, let the beat flow over you, my friends. I'm broadcasting live from 38th Locust Walk Campus Studios. The phone lines are open. 1-844-942-7866. That's 1-844-942-7866. You can email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at BizRadio132. Or, of course, you can hit up your boy at A-M-R-E-E-D-2 on Twitter. That's at A-M-R-E-E-D-2 on the social media tip. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, but don't lose your grip. Guys, listen to me very carefully. In 1881, the Warren School was founded. We are the first collegiate business school on the planet. We wrote the book on marketing, guys, right here on the seventh floor of John M. Huntsman Hall. And, of course, we had to create a radio program to bring the knowledge directly to the people. The show is called Marketing Matters, and we air live every Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we've got a great show lined up for you this week. Here's what we've got. At 5 o'clock, we've got Kareen Winters, who is chairman of Reputation and Chief Strategy Officer of MWWPR. She will be discussing the recently released second half of their, wait for it, Corpsumers study. Now, this is very interesting. Listeners, do consumers like it when brands take a stance on social issues? There's a very important aspect going on right now. They're calling it brand purpose. And so brands are trying to differentiate themselves by actually building into their brand DNA specific values that are associated with stances on political ideological issues. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to have you here, Kareen. First, Happy New Year. Is it not? Is, is it, are we too into the month to be able to still say Happy New Year? I don't know. I think we get to say Happy New Year till at least February 1st. Gotcha. Okay, that's the rule. So we're extremely excited to have you here, Kareen. Uh, welcome to the program. I always like to start off quickly to kind of give my listeners a sense of context and to let my yeah. guests kind of talk a little bit, of, just a little bit about their journeys because it's kind of inspiring to hear kind of the trajectory that my guests have taken to kind of get to where they have come from into the work and career trajectory where they are currently at. So if you could start us, just tell us a little bit about your path, a little bit about your story. Sure. Um, so I am actually an MWWPR lifer. I was employee number four more wow. than 25 years ago, nice. which was a time when it was uncool to work for a startup. <laughs> right now we tell young people starting their career that startup is the path to take. Mm-hmm. Back then that was still an era of go work for a big established company, mm-hmm. work your way up from the bottom, don't take too many risks. Mm-hmm. But you know, joining a startup PR firm gave me the opportunity to touch every aspect um, of the business. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was working in consumer marketing and public affairs and crisis and issues management. Mm-hmm. And it really was formative to developing a 360-degree point of view about brands and brand reputation that really serves as the basis of everything that I do today. 
Um, so over the course of my career, I've been really lucky. Um, I have worked on the kinds of corporate turnarounds that are Harvard Business Review case studies, mm. uh, like Continental Airlines. I've nice. worked on big bankruptcy cases like, you know, the decline and ultimate liquidation of Bethlehem Steel, a company we oh, all learned yes. at, about in history books. Um, I've been part of, you know, JetBlue Airways and how they created their platform around inspiring humanity. Nice. Um, I've just really had the great opportunity to work with some of the biggest, uh, most interesting, most exciting brands um, out there. And it has really been, you know, just just a treat almost every day. That's extremely exciting, Kareen. Employee number four, that's fantastic. Tell us a little bit about MWWPR. Yeah, so MWWPR is a full-service public relations agency. And, okay. you know, what we're talking about in marketing uh, is about the blurring of the lines and the blurring of the channels, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. retailers have to sell online and in-store. Well, the same is true of marketing and marketing communication services, right? Brands no longer think in a silo. They don't necessarily separate their employee communications from their product launch communications, Mm. from their corporate reputation, from their investor relations. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things and the genesis of our corpsumer perspective has been that customers, consumers don't think about brands in a siloed fashion. Mm. And so we shouldn't be communicating with them in a siloed fashion. Um, And so we, as a PR firm, work with companies to tell their stories Mm -hmm. to all of their audiences um, for all of their purposes. So a company could hire us to launch a new product, or they could hire us to help them compete for the best talent in the marketplace, Mm -hmm. or to make sure that Wall Street understands their story um, and that they have the highest sustainable valuation relative to their peers. Um, All of those things are PR. and and it's changing, right? PR is not just news news media. It's paid media. It's content. It's digital. Um, like mm-hmm. every other part of marketing, it's changing. And so it's been um, really interesting to be kind of at the forefront of all of that change. That's extremely exciting change. So talk a little bit about some of the things that you've seen over time. I uh, My understanding, Kareen, is that, and specifically what you've seen over time with respect to this idea of brand purpose becoming an important aspect in this 360 mm-hmm. points of, or sort of 360 mm-hmm. degree point of view. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you think about purpose and its evolution, um, in its early stages, profit was a company's purpose, mm-hmm. and it was its sole purpose. And if, um, and then we saw a lot in, you know, what I'll call corporate philanthropy. Pretty much anything that you did as an organization was okay, as long as you wrote a big check. Mm. So think about the 80s and the 90s and the corporate mogul surrounded by models on a red carpet with a big check for a charity event. <laughs> right. That really was what purpose was. <laughs> um, and then we got to this idea of um, cause marketing. Cause marketing, okay. should be about raising money for a cause. And that's when we saw the pinkification of everything. Mm. You know, everything was to raise money for breast cancer. You could buy a pink blender and pink sneakers, and <laughs> players in the NFL were, mm-hmm. were wearing pink. Mm-hmm. Um, but consumers are smart. And the same way that they got suspicious about, does writing a check to the United Way really make up for, you know, agreed is good is men- mentality? Mm. They also became suspicious of being marketed to mm-hmm under a cause or a purpose that did not seem authentic to them. Okay. And that was really the rise of this idea of authentic purpose. 
the idea that a company's values and the values that they share with consumers are the currency that help consumers relate to a brand. Mm -hmm. Um, And what's really interesting about that evolution is that it gives brands permission to do what is authentic Mm -hmm. without necessarily having their customer base agree with them. One of the things that we found, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, was that um, if you look at, you know, all the controversy around a brand like Nike and some of the things that they do, mm-hmm. and most recently what they did with Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. um, there, there were initial um, reactions that this was going to be the death of Nike. <laughs> yes. Um, mm-hmm. And you saw their stock price take a hit, and then you saw their sales go through the roof. That's right. And while not everyone who buys Nike sneakers or wears Nike workout gear necessarily agrees with their position on Kaepernick, mm-hmm. they definitely agree that Nike authentically cares about yes. social issues, civil rights, mm-hmm. and that that was the right space for them to be. And they rewarded them for taking a stand regardless of whether they agreed with the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so today, purpose needs to be in the DNA of your organization. You can't tack it on by just associating with a cause. So if we look at the brands that do the best job and get the most reward from customers about purpose, mm-hmm. um, you really know what they stand for. Um, so take a brand like Starbucks, right? Right. Um, they started with a very traditional approach around fair trade coffee and doing the right things in the communities where coffee is grown. And then they evolved into taking really important positions around things that employees of an organization deserve, mm-hmm. like healthcare and an education. Right. And lately, they're taking more controversial stances around things like um, concealed weapons oh. or, or immigration. Right. So. Sure, a big tech company takes a position on on immigration because they need those H-1B1 workers to fill their demand for talent. But last time I checked, your barista doesn't need to be imported with special skills from another country. Yet Starbucks still took a stand on that issue. And so what we're seeing is that brands like Starbucks or brands like Patagonia that sued the U.S. government and said the president is trying to steal your land mm-hmm. um, or gave all of their proceeds on Black Friday mm-hmm. – uh, to a cause that they've supported since they were founded. These are brands that have authentic purpose, and that purpose is really resonating and mobilizing consumers to support them. That is an amazing recap. So just to recap for our listeners out there, Corrine, and this is exciting stuff because the idea of brand purpose is so intriguing as a concept. And as you pointed out, you know, going from raising money to a cause to actually doing it in a way that now really uh, has to have this aspect of authenticity, which literally means that you have to have some kind of track record. In other words, your point, Corrine, about building into the DNA, this notion that you are that kind of company is huge. And I think I I want you to follow up on that because I think as Starbucks, you know, kind of had some situations, I think one of the theories that is probably important here, Kareen, is that if you're able to authentically build that DNA into authentically into the brand and it's almost like a bank account. You have a bank account of goodwill over time. And when something bad happens, say, for example, some of the, the challenges that Starbucks has, ha- have ha- has had with their employees, you're able to kind of draw on that goodwill. And that actually, this brand purpose, authentic brand purpose built into the DNA can actually insulate and protect the brand, no? Um, I think that's true. You know, I think if we think about 
um, this is really the genesis of our work at MWW around corpsumers. Uh-huh. And so, you know, what's a corpsumer? A corpsumer is a person who makes their purchasing decision mm-hmm. based on something more than the product attributes, based uh-huh. on corporate reputation. Corporate reputation. So if you do mm-hmm. a survey on corporate reputation, if you do a survey of people and ask them, does corporate reputation matter? You know, about 78% say yes. Okay. That's probably the same 78% um, who tell McDonald's that they want more healthy options. <laughs> Everybody says yes in a survey. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, uh-huh. So then we ask the next question of, had they changed their behavior mm-hmm. based on a company's reputation? Mm-hmm. Uh, they made a purchase, switched to a new brand, advocated that their friends or family do the same. And what we found is that a full third of Americans, 33%, mm-hmm. one in three, are corpsumers. Oh, interesting. They have taken an action based on company reputation. Interesting. So we did our first survey in 2017, our second survey in 2018, mm-hmm. and in just one year, that number grew 2%. Okay, interesting. So we know that that corpsumer trend is on the rise. Is on the rise. And 2% doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think about how many mil- hundreds of millions of people are in America, that's a very significant mm-hmm. uh, amount of purchasing power for a brand. Very, very cool. Listeners, if you're so just one, joining us, let me just uh, quickly, let me quickly uh, reset right quick, uh, Kareen. Uh, listeners, we are talking uh, to Kareen Winters, who's chairman of Reputation and Chief Strategy Officer, Officer of WMWWPR, and she's describing to us the benefits of tapping into something she calls and her firm calls the corpsumer. Uh, if you're interested in joining this conversation, please give us a, a call at 1-844-WARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Now go ahead, uh, Kareem, with what you were saying. Um, so we're just talking about how big uh, corpsumers are um, and that they are on the rise. Growing 2% in the last year. Yeah. 2% in the last year alone. Um, the other interesting... Um, Thing that we see about corpsumers is they do cover all generations, um, but they are more likely than the average consumer to be um, more highly educated, mm. more higher income. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are definitely in that desirable target for brands. And if you think about one in three Americans, uh, is a bigger demographic than moms mm-hmm. and a bigger demographic than millennials. Oh. And if you look at from a marketing perspective, who is everyone chasing? Everybody wants to win the hearts and minds of moms and millennials. Moms and millennials, so yes. are actually bigger. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, there are more corpsumers than moms or millennials. Mm-hmm. And with each generation, the corpsumer behavior is more prevalent. Let me ask you so a question. A bigger percentage of millennials than Gen X and Gen Z than millennials. Gotcha. Let me ask you a question, Kareem, because I want to follow up on something you said that yeah. I think is, is super interesting. When you categorize this cool. this corpsumer as having engaged in an act uh, that re- reflects changing their behavior, do you categorize the behaviors like, the, well, like for example, one behavior would be, you know, okay, I'm going to recycle. That's great, uh, and I'm going to buy, um, or I like recycling, so I'm going to buy this product that's that I feel is, has a sustainable aspect of its DNA. Another one says, you know, there there are other behaviors that might be really hard to do that really reflect more of a of a willingness to inconvenience yourself, a willingness to put yourself in deficit to be able to hold up those values. Do you account for that, or is or are all corpsumers kind of seen the same? Well, so we didn't actually um, look at the behavior. I'm changing their behavior in terms of how they use the product. We focused on the behaviors that are a direct outcome of the marketing process. Uh, okay. Sales, mm-hmm. 
brand switch mm, okay. um, or brand advocacy. Gotcha. So they've either purchased a brand, switched to a new brand, or advocated for a brand based on reputation. Gotcha. And so, do you? So, g- give me your sense of your intuition, Kareen, about. Uh, do you see those three those three aspects as all the same? Is switching your behavior uh, equally as uh, robust of an indicator of being a corpsumer as is, say, for example, being a brand advocate or or something like that? How do you look at that? Is it all kind of the same the same kind of profile in terms of its level of importance? Well, if you look at what the challenges are today for marketers around uh, the cost of customer acquisition and their ability or their um, efforts to extend and grow the lifetime value of a customer, all three of those things, purchase, loyalty, and advocacy, play into lowering the cost of acquisition and, mm-hmm. and increasing the lifetime value. Um, so I don't know that I would necessarily, you know, different brands have different objectives. Mm-hmm. And so some may value switching gotcha. more than advocacy or sure. advocacy more than purchase. Interesting. But your point being, Kareen, that these corpsumers are out there and there's an opportunity to speak to them if brands are smart. So how's the, how do you do that in right. an authentic way? Give me your give me your top. Uh, That's great. Yeah, give me give me your 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 best practice for doing this the right way authentically. Yeah. So I think what we need to understand first is um, we know that they will buy, switch, or advocate mm-hmm. for brands that share their values and that that stand for what they believe in. How does a corpsumer judge your company mm-hmm. if they're not making those decisions based on the price of your product or uh, the product attributes themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Softer fabric softener or <laughs> uh, what are they looking for? Um, the number one um, top of mind uh, issue for corpsumers is their perception of how your company treats its employees. 81% of corpsumers said that's their number oh, one interesting. criteria. Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. So telling your story, your employer brand story, which is a story that not every company thinks about telling. Mm-hmm. Um, and mostly when you think about um, what we know about companies as employers, it's mostly negative, right? Right. Um, we could all name companies we've read about in the news lately that people say are not a good employer. Um, you know, undercover operations or mm-hmm. employees writing op-eds about why they're leaving a big bank <laughs> mm-hmm. or an investigative piece about, you know, a big online retailer and why they're a terrible employer. Mm-hmm. Now ask yourself, who do you know of as being a good employer? And how does that change the way you think about their products and how you feel about buying their products? Use Starbucks as an example. Okay. We know that every employee has, has health care no matter how many hours they work. We know that their employees get access to online college courses for free because they believe everyone deserves an education. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that make us all feel better to carry that $5 cup of coffee down (laughs) the street on our way to work in the Interesting, interesting. And so from a psychological um, so from a psychological perspective Kareen, in, in some senses it's like oh that's really interesting I think what I'm inferring from your point is that I buy the cup of coffee and yeah you know what I could get this 6 or 7 8 dollar cup of coffee for much cheaper at the Wawa but I feel like I'm actually mm-hmm. contributing to the social good no Exactly um, the other thing that corpsumers use you know the number two thing that they look at overall is do I trust and admire your CEO? Oh, interesting. So if you think about the companies, let's use Starbucks again because we keep using them as an example, right? Howard Schultz is a household name. Mm-hmm. And so visibility and a feeling of knowing your CEO 
contributes to the corpsumer having trust in your company mm-hmm. and wanting to buy your products. One of the great opportunities available to brands today is the platform of social media and how social media can make large groups of people feel like they know you. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're a CEO who's active on social, uh, that can go a long way. You know, look at all the tech CEOs. Look at Jeff Bezos. Um, you know, look at Michael Dell. Um, you know, look at Tim Cook of Apple and Steve Jobs before him. Um, Bill Gates. These are all CEOs who are very active in social media, mm-hmm. who blog and tweet and do all of those things. It makes us feel like we know them the same way that we feel like we know celebrities who come into our homes on the television or, mm-hmm. um, you know, we read about in People magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, it, when I started in PR, it was very hard to develop a connection for people with a CEO. Your only option was to do, you know, lots of mass media and lots of speaking engagements. But today, mm. you can do the traditional things like being in the media and doing speaking engagements, but you can also be active in social and create a conversation directly with your customers. Interesting. Interesting. Now, this is uh, this is very, very fascinating to me, Corrine. I want you to also give us a little bit of the caveat, though, right? Because if the CEO, if she or he is out there kind of representing the company as a brand, mm-hmm. then it's a, it's, a, it's a challenge because, you know, now you have to be like kind of charismatic. I would think you have to be, you have to have a brand. You have to be interesting. Now you have to worry about all of these other things that don't really have anything to do with your ability to actually run a company necessarily. So talk a little bit about the, you know, kind of the, the cautionary tale, if you will, in terms of like going all in on this. I'm going to be the CEO that is really going to be out there. Like here, I'm the CEO of Ben yeah. and Jerry's and here I am and these are my values and so on. Right. You know, I think when it comes to connecting with consumers with shared values as your currency, demonstration works better than discussion. Mm -hmm. So it's not about standing on a soapbox and saying, here are my values. Um, And if you look at the, the leaders who do it most effectively, what they do is they give consumers and their customers insight or a glimpse into what it's like. Uh, to be the leader of that organization and to oh, run that company. Interesting. Okay. Um, it's not really about you know beating your chest because that certainly sets you up um, for people to have questions or the minute something goes wrong, you have a big target on your back. Mm-hmm. I also think that uh, all of that can be modified in a way that is authentic to that leader's personality mm. and who he or she really is. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, you know, Richard Branson is a very bold, very thought-provoking. Um, you know, not afraid to take risks kind of guy in general. So his social profile is going to be very different than, say, you know, the CEO of accounting firm or of IBM. And so everything that you do has to be consistent with both the culture and the values of your organization. Mm-hmm. So for me, the watch out is when you get ahead of your skis, when you're doing something that doesn't feel, you shouldn't do anything on social that you wouldn't do in an employee town hall meeting. For oh, example. interesting. Right, right. And so as long as you're consistent with your culture and your values, I don't really think there's a cautionary tale. The cautionary oh, tales come from 
trying to perform mm-hmm. versus authentically communicate. Mm-hmm. And so I think what's, what I really like about that advice to uh, CEOs that are going to attempt to do this, Kareen, is that you have to, you, you, you let, you sort of let, you let the world come into your life as a, as a business leader, as a thought leader. Mm-hmm. And you, you just, you, through your own, this is who I am authentically, you show your values in terms of how you run things, right? And, and it's much more, it's much more organic that way. It's much more, it, it feels more real that way, right? And it's also about, you know, do, I always say doing the right thing is always the right thing. <laughs> um, and so we did a study around the holidays as a follow-up to this where we asked corpsumers about their intentions for holiday shopping. Um, and 93% of them said they would purchase gifts for others from brands that had clear values. Mm. But here's the part that really caught my eye. 97% of corpsumers, so figure almost 300 million Americans, said they were more interested in shopping with retailers that closed on Thanksgiving Day. Interesting. Interesting. And so all the backlash around, you know, opening too soon for Black Friday, mm-hmm. you know, they told us that is their number one priority is what kind of employer you are. And this is consumers putting their money where their mouth is, saying, mm. I don't want to shop at someone that disrupts um, people's holiday time with their families by opening on Thanksgiving. I'll opt to shop at someone who was closed on Thanksgiving and opens on Friday. Mm. So and- the, the, the really interesting thing about consumers is they put their money where their mouth is. And so they're very, they make sure that they let their behaviors speak for those values. And, they, and because those values exactly. are so, so important to them, Kareen, it, what I love about this approach is that if you can connect with the consumer on, on, based on their value system, that is a deep emotional connection. It's going to make, make it very hard for a competitive offering to come in and, and woo them away, right? Exactly, exactly. They're, um, they're much more loyal. Um, they're much more likely to influence their family and friends. And that's where their real value is, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing for me to win your loyalty and your, and your wallet. But when you influence your family and your friends to do the same, the benefits are exponential. And if we think about it, we all have that person in our circle, right? The person who says, this is the restaurant you should eat at this week. You should drink this wine. Don't drink that bourbon. They don't treat their employees well. Oh, interesting, right. Um, here's where we should go on vacation. And they don't do it in a way. They're just knowledgeable. And because you have relationships, you have shared values between you. So this person who does their homework and does the research and says to you, you know, I would go to this destination on vacation over that destination, mm-hmm. you trust them because you share values. Mm. It's the same with the brands. Interesting stuff. Kareen Winters, thank you so much for coming on our show tonight. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. Listeners, if you want to learn more about Corpsumers, go to mwwpr.com or follow them. Oh, I'm sorry, mww.com or follow them on Twitter at mww underscore pr. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 